What's up, nerds? I'm Pastor Coco, the host of LTN Radio's Zenio Block Party, where I bring you a two-hour playlist of the best Christian rock, rap, and pop from the 90s and 2000s. And in between all the audible awesomeness, I get to bring you some interesting food for thought. Here's what you missed from me this past Saturday. There is no ignoring the current landscape of nerdy television and movies. Comic book properties are being thrown at us left and right, whether on television or on the big screen. The debut of the newest Marvel movie to the big screen has become akin to a holiday, where family and friends flock to the movie theater to catch the latest exploits of the characters we've all grown to know and love over the last 60 plus years. But the current Marvel Cinematic Universe is not the first foray into translating the comic book panels onto the silver screen. Over the years, there have been many successful and maybe not so successful iterations of some of these classic comic book characters. And before we dive into this, I think it would be a good idea for us to determine the parameters of when we were kids. So for the purpose of this topic and all future topics here on the Zenial Block Party, when we were kids is going to cover the time period of 1986 to 2008. That's the year I was born until the year I graduated college. It may not be a perfect system, but hey, it's my show. What are you going to do about it? The important thing is that I think this might be our most hotly contested battle yet. Long before the Avengers assembled on our silver screen, movie studios tried to take advantage of some of the iconic characters which filled the pages of our favorite comic books. I'm sure many of us will never forget the first time we saw Howard the Duck. Yeah, we probably shouldn't discuss that anymore. But for every Roger Corman Fantastic Four flop, when we were kids, we also got some really good stuff. These days, people love to poke fun at the Batman and Robin movie. But to only do so ignores that Tim Burton provided us two fantastic Batman films. In fact, Batman Returns is still one of my favorite versions of Batman on film. And though it bears little resemblance to the Eastman and Larry comic series it's based on, we got two phenomenal Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. And we get a third one where they time-traveled and became samurais or something. We even got entries that many probably don't even know came from comic properties. Jim Carrey dazzled us with his physical comedy in The Mask. And we got two of my favorite movies of all time in The Rocketeer and The Crow. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention Restless Snipes' turn as Vampire Slayer Blade. But we also got a whole lot of, eh, Josie and the Pussycats, more mediocre Fantastic Four movies, even more mediocre to downright awful Crow sequels. Comic book movies when we were kids really were a best of times, worst of times scenario. But the best of times reached some amazing heights, with Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies and the first two entries of Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy fitting into our time frame. The second entry in both of those series, plus the animated film Mask of the Phantasm, are considered some of the strongest comic book movies of all time. So is it possible that even comic book movies were better when we were kids? The modern movies might have something to say about that. In the final year of our time frame, Robert Downey Jr. uttered the phrase, I am Iron Man, and kickstarted a 15-year journey through cinema. What became known as the Infinity Saga was an interconnected movie saga unlike anything we really have ever seen. Each film stood mostly on its own while contributing to the overarching narrative through small cameos and end-credit sequences. Ten years after Iron Man hit the screen, the Infinity Saga was wrapped up through the double feature of Infinity War and Endgame. All the pieces that had been teased and formed through the previous decade came together in one epic conclusion. And the modern movies didn't stop there, as the MCU has continued into the future, with new heroes joining the fold as well as some familiar favorites returning. In fact, the two newest entries, Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, may not only be my two favorite comic book movies, but maybe two of my favorite movies of all time. And that is just on the Marvel side. 
DC Comics didn't always produce the best live-action films, though I did enjoy the Snyder Cut. But their animated films had several quality entries over the last decade, and just earlier this year, Matt Reeves did what seemed impossible. He turned the sparkly vampire from Twilight into Batman, as he and the cast and crew delivered arguably the best film of the Batman movie series. I'm going to be honest, I don't know how this one's going to play out. Now we have to get down to brass tacks, and I have to somehow declare a winner in this battle. On the one hand, I have the sentimental longings of my childhood. I've sang Go Ninja Go with Vanilla Ice millions of times, and I can't hear Sandstorm without thinking about the opening sequence of Blade. And if I've got to be honest, I'll always have a soft spot for the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. And of course, The Dark Knight and Spider-Man 2 are both in our childhood window, and let's be honest, they stand the test of time as two of the finest comic book movies ever made. But the modern-day MCU is a juggernaut, and Matt Reeves' take on Batman is one of my favorite films I've ever seen, and it rivals The Dark Knight as far as a quality Batman film. And though Sam Raimi worked wonders with the Spider-Man franchise when I was in high school, his turn at the helm of Doctor Strange has led me to only one conclusion. Comic book movies are ultimately better now than when we were kids. And with that, you are all caught up on what we talked about last Saturday on the Zenio Block Party. Make sure you catch the full show Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Or if you can't catch that, there's an encore at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's the perfect show for the Gen Xers and Millennials, as well as anyone else who wants to just honor the past of awesome Christian music. Until then, I've been Pastor Coco on LTN Radio.